0: How about that defense, folks? Colts defense, do it again. Mm-hmm. Chris Presley, Kevin Bowen back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. Sorry we're coming at you Tuesday morning. Yesterday we had JMV's golf outing, and with a little morning show action, just not enough time to fit in a full-hour podcast. So uh, we're recording this Tuesday morning, the 6th of October. Happy birthday to my beautiful wife, Maddie oh, nice. Bowen. Uh Boy, I really hope she likes the present I got her. Man, I guess we'll find out tonight, yeah. and you know, hopefully, I'll be back on air later this week. Right, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, yeah. Shout out to her and Rosie Bow. Absolutely. And, uh, going out for a little pizza tonight. You know, okay. it's a fitting way I yeah. feel like to celebrate, celebrate a birthday there. So, uh, wow, what a great performance on Sunday by the Colts. That was a, uh, it was an extremely boring football game. Yes. I feel like that kind of is Chicago Bear football, maybe. Mm-hmm they lull you to sleep and they bring opponents and you're lulled to sleep and sold your field especially with no fans in the building but still man that was a terrific defensive performance we'll obviously hit on that today and a 3 and 1 start to the year. Yes. You know you kind of hear everyone breaks up the seasons in quarters in the NFL and you know I I know that this is probably the easiest quarter you will have all season long considering what that schedule looks like. But uh, I think anyone would have taken 3-1. and one. I know people Absolutely. are greedy out there and want to win the opener against Jacksonville, and that and that was a clunker. But we talked about it on uh, last Wednesday's podcast. You get Sunday, and 5-2 and two should be that baseline heading into the really tougher stretch. Now, I know Cleveland looks like a much better football team than we thought at the start of the year. Yeah. But still, home game against Cincinnati at Detroit, uh, those are two games that you should definitely win. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, that was a really slow-moving game. I felt like a lot of early penalties, but I never felt like the Colts weren't in control. I agree. You know? Yeah. I wrote down with 10 minutes to go in the third quarter in my notes, I wrote down, the only way the Colts lose this game is if they give Chicago a short field.
1: hmm And they didn't.
0: That's it. Yeah, it, there was no fatal mistake. You were in full, you know, field position control all throughout. And I know a lot of people, and we'll, we'll have some Twitter questions on this. Okay. How do you look at this team right now, 3-1? and one? How does it compare last year to 5-2? and two? I've seen more signs defensively early on that have me encouraged moving forward. Yeah. Last year, you finished those first seven games plus seven point differential. I mean, this year, your point differential is astronomical mm-hmm. compared to that. And again, it's the strides defensively. Last year, you hold on to beat Atlanta and Matt Ryan's completing 18 passes in a row against you. Yeah. You know, you had Derek Carr have a big game against you early on. You know, Tennessee was driving on your side of the field when they failed on a fourth down and and you won that game. Sure, you had the kicking issues obviously. That that played into that. But I'm seeing more signs of playoff football life in this 3 and 1 start than I saw last year. I I thought last year was was way too flukish early on. I'm not seeing as much flukishness as I make up words here on this Tuesday morning, <laughs> that makes me believe there could be something there. I will say I think the AFC is a tougher out though. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you know Kansas City and Baltimore, and it, it might be time to throw Buffalo into that top tier as well. Who knows what Tennessee and Pittsburgh will have after their issues? Um, I guess Pittsburgh brought into those issues, but still, um, three and one, I think Colts fans should be pleased with that.
1: It was I, nice to be in the driver's seat. Yeah, I mean firmly,
0: and, and that's three weeks in a row.
1: Yes, and, and if you're a bear, like towards the end of the game, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm not a Bears fan, but they got to be looking at this game. Here we go again. Maybe, maybe here comes a comeback. But I would much rather, obviously, have the lead and you know try and stop a team than right.
0: And I never ever thought they were going to come back. I just you know it was like, oh yeah, the Bears have done this before, but I'm like, no, this this is not Atlanta. This is not the Giants. DeAndre Swift is not dropping a ball. In the end zone. Like, this is a good Colts team. Mm-hmm. And uh, sure, you have questions. Can they want to shoot out? We'll talk about the offense with some issues there, definitely. And you're going to have better tests. I don't think Chicago is a playoff team. I don't know. Seven teams get in get in, in the NFC and the AFC this year. Who knows? But still, um, there are signs of playoff life.
1: Absolutely. Well, Kev, let's jump into what you did like from that game. Like we said, we were in the driver's seat most of the time was one of the first things that you that, that you felt like we had control of.
0: Yeah, I thought it was the best offensive performance of the season. And I know a lot of people say, wait, 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 n- n- not as many turnovers. You know, Didn't have the pick sixes. That stuff, to me, can come and go. It can come in bunches. It can be a bit flukish again. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, playmaking. Okay, Sam Darnold throws you a ball that he never should throw. You know, like that stuff, it's – yeah, you put yourself in a position to make those plays, but even like the Julian Blackman pick. I mean, that's a ball that goes off Anthony Miller's hands. Julian Blackman deserved it. We'll we'll talk about Blackman. But still, the amount of just sound, get off the field and force a punt drives through the first three quarters of this game to me is a more dominant, more – Week in and week out type of defensive performance. You just totally stuffed their run game. Yes. Um, They had a long rush of six yards. Six (laughs) yards and 60 minutes of football. I mean, how do you not just fall into a one eight-yard gain? Something. Um, Under two yards per carry. This was more of a repeatable defensive performance. You know, three picks in week two, three picks in week three. That's not traveling with you week in and week out, what you did on Sunday, that can be a calling card because you only had one sack for the game. Mm -hmm. You only had one pick. What happens if you do sprinkle in a couple more turnovers? Now, Now you're even more dominant than you were, and that's, I guess, always been my thing with this defense is like, can you control a game? Can you win a football game? The Colts won that football game because of their defense. Sure, special teams played a big role again, but they won it because of that unit in that, all right, Bears, one first down, okay, now you're punting. Uh, Field goal drive, okay, uh, you're going to punt the six other drives in the first three quarters. Just no signs of life um, from that Bears defense. I think it ended up being seven punts in their first eight series. And, And I thought you set the tone on the first drive of, you know, Buckner disengages from a block, makes a tackle. Kari Willis disengages, makes a tackle. I think Xavier Rhodes had the pass breakup on mm-hmm. third down. Rocky Sine came back. I think the next drive with a beautiful pass breakup on third down. It, it's a the word I used yesterday, which it's not a great word to use in twenty twenty, but I will use it again. This defense seems to be very uh, the playmaking seems to be very contagious. Yeah, it, it's just everyone it's is true. getting in on it. You could name every single player at every level of this defense, and they have made a notable play in the first. I guess in this three-game three, three game win streak. Uh, Shout-out to Anthony Walker. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of trade questions last week on the podcast. That's why I'm not a fan of it. You're one injury away from really needing him, and then he goes out and gives you 11 tackles in, you know, not playing 100% of the snaps. Bobby Okereke, I thought, played well, um, too, you know, with, with Darius Leonard missing that time. So just an unbelievable job against the run. I thought Nick Foles looked like – a guy that started for five NFL teams and has never held on to his starting mm-hmm. job. You know, it's just timing was weird. He looked like a first-time starter with his offense where you're not in full hurry-up mode like you were maybe in Atlanta last week. So, man, the, the Bears just look so boring. They
1: just— uh. it, was, it was old school. Like you said, it was Chicago
0: football. Yeah, I mean, it was Craig Krenzel. It was—yeah, <laughs> I mean, whoever your quarterback is, it was just— it was pathetic to watch. I guess I'm glad they wore colorful jerseys. That's about the only thing that I thought was lively about them. Um, you mentioned but, yeah. the black the blackman
1: pick. Do you want to talk about his play? Yeah,
0: just one one or two more things left on on the defense and on slide and special teams. Eleven yard advantage, and average drive start. You know what was it? It was 25 yards one week. It was 16 yards the other week. Like those stats to me probably stand out more than anything for the first quarter of the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about that. The field is only yeah, 100 yards long. Right. You're getting an 11-yard advantage every single drive, an extra first down. And you aren't this crazy explosive offense, and your defense has had these questions, yet you're able to control the field position like they have. It's just incredible. And I I continue, and, and I think we saw life of it on the first series against Minnesota. Even though they drove down the field, what happened? The Colts made things difficult for Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen. Completions were hard to come by. Think about what they did Sunday. It was the Rhodes contest on the pass deflection. It was the Rocky Scene contest on the pass deflection. We will touch on Blackman here in just a second. I mean, things are just more difficult against the Colts defense. And I know that sounds pretty simple, but it hasn't been there. In past years, so major credit to Matt Eberflus for making the changes week one, and just for this defense for at every level, starting with Buckner, with every level, um, providing playmaking. But like the playmaking on Sunday wasn't necessarily in the turnover department; it was just straight up great tackling. Yeah, in the open field, great discipline from an assignment standpoint, and Chicago, okay, two yards, three yards. Pass breakup, incomplete pass, punt, 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 punt.
1: They were shadowed on every play.
0: Everything, everything, and, and again, that to me, Chris, is why it's the most impressive defensive performance mm-hmm. of the season. Turnovers, you can't rely on them every week. It's just they're weird, man. Yep. Khalil Mack drops an interception that could have <laughs> totally changed the game. Like that, th- th- that just just weird. Yeah. What What is I think more of a true story is can I get off the field? go sit on the bench, come back on the field, and then get off the field again without allowing points. Can I do that repeatedly throughout a game? Colts did that on Sunday.
1: And what's good to see, just quickly back to your, your word of saying, contagious, seeing how genuinely happy the other players are for each other on big pass breakups and deflections and just the small things that make you win a football game is awesome to see.
0: Yeah, and I know we we got a question about Rivers trash talking, so I guess we'll will, we will wait for that, but... The whole bring the juice, what we talked about in the offseason, about this is a team that is a high-character football team, and I think it's a self-motivated football team. That is important Mm -hmm. in 2020, and Phillips said after the game, like, we created more energy than they did. No fans in, in that building, and the Colts created more energy than the Bears did with their play, but also, I think, just with their emotion. I mean, the Bears just benched their starting quarterback after three 3-0 start, they know they aren't very good. So you were able to, I think, kind of feast on that a bit, ride a little bit of momentum, which I know is a dangerous game, and get a
1: really, really nice win. Yeah, so Julian Blackman, I mean, continues to impress. Thoughts Dude. on him?
0: Stud. I mean, stud. You know, I, I remember when the pick first happened, the ACL really worried me. Right. And as I went back and watched film, I was like, oh, wow, okay. I, I I get it. I understand it because um, the Colts were always really high on him. Love just the 2020 skill set that he brings. And by that, I mean two years at corner, yeah. one year at safety. You need those guys in today's NFL. This is not Cam Chancellor. This is not Le- roided up Leron Landry. This is a guy that is more of a cover safety. I mean, he's not overwhelmingly big. No. Was six foot, probably listed at 195, something like that. But he plays bigger than that. And then also, he is just one of the more instinctual guys I've seen in the secondary, which I think Kari Willis is super instinctual as well. I think Kenny Moore is probably one of the more instinctual football players that the Colts have had in quite some time. So, um, dude, he's just—there's no hesitancy. There's no fear. I watch him, and I'm like, 10 months from the ACL. Yeah. And he's a second-year starting safety. Right. You know, I mean, he only did it for one year.
1: You talk about the ACL. For me, when I found out, like, this guy was a corner, I'm like, okay, so he's a transition safety, and he still didn't put a lot of film out there, but they're high on him.
0: Yeah, and and just, it'd be one thing to be super impressed by his ability to recover from the ACL. Like, if he was playing football and running down covering kicks, I'd be like, damn, that's really impressive. Good for him. Um, you know, probably going to be more of a redshirt year on defense because we see the Colts aren't using a whole lot of third safety for safety. That's mm-hmm. something they've done in the past. We haven't really seen any of that this season. But, and I posted something on 1075thefan.com yesterday morning. You have to look at the amount of playmaking that he has provided you. And this is more of I'm getting my hand on the ball and doing something with it, whether it is catching the interception the other week uh, or the other day. Whether it's having the jarring hit to break up the pass, right? Uh, I think he just flat out got his hand on a ball and just kind of knocked it away, like you think normal DB. Blackman now, two games as a starter, pretty much played in two and a half games of football. He played all every single defensive snap on Sunday, mm-hmm. which I thought was notable. He'd only played about sixty-five percent the first two games of his NFL debut. He's played about 130 snaps of football. He has five passes defensed. That is another way of saying pass breakup, interception, those things. Malik Hooker played over 700 snaps last season. Mm -hmm. Three. Wow. Three passes defensed. Goes to
1: your instinctual comment, though.
0: Finds the football, yeah. makes plays on it. It's not it's not just finding it. It's you gotta make a bang bang play. Especially yeah. as a safety, especially as a deep safety in this defense. Corey Willis a lot more around the box. You know, Julian Blackman's gotta read and react and time it. And he's got NFL timing seemingly down mm-hmm. already. And you still aren't allowing the huge over the top chunk that Hooker I thought was really, really good at. So um you are getting more production from your free safety position, which I think was always something that we kind of fought with Hooker. Like, man, shouldn't he be around the ball more? I know his big responsibility is the deep free safety and the center fielder and whatnot. But, like, don't you go find it a little bit more? Blackman's finding it. And schematically, I'm sure they're asking him to maybe do a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Closer to the line. But still, man, just major hat tip to the rookie. Yep. Uh, yes, in an ideal world, I still think, Having Malik Hooker on your roster healthy would be good just because we are one quarter into this season and there is a lot of football left to be played. And so depth is certainly going to be tested. Um, hell, your offensive line depth could be tested this week with the Anthony Casanzo injury. So, um, but, but man, just, just, dude, he's a stu- He, he just- looked like a stud. And, I just can't believe he's doing it 10 months removed. They drafted him for his ability to find the ball. That right. was the biggest thing that they liked. Certainly the corner background. He was not All-American at safety last season, but which is crazy, to think, a one-year safety, <laughs> and you have an All-American campaign. But 32 and white looked really, really good on Sunday. Really good.
1: Well, not every game's perfect. Each week, you do have some some things that you want to talk about that you didn't necessarily like. Let's jump into one of those right now, and that would be the run game.
0: Yeah, run game. Um, and, and first off, offensive line from a pass protection standpoint, still pretty good. You know they, they uh, Gumble and Rich Gannon, who boy, just said some shit that made me want to throw the remote <laughs> and shatter a window. Um, they they mentioned early on, Rivers has been out of the pocket. By the way, there's no one slower in the NFL than Phil
1: Rivers. There's not.
0: Every kicker is faster than him. Every quarterback is faster than him. Every fullback is, fa- every offensive line. Little, I mean, he's the slowest human being that's maybe ever played in the NFL. Claims he could still beat ben, Big
1: Ben in a foot race, nope. but no, no chance. <laughs> no. Literally, no
0: chance. Um, he had only been out of the pocket one snap all season. You know, and that's a great right. job by him, certainly knowing that he can't run, so he's got to get the ball out quick. But from a pass protection standpoint, there were a few, you know, muddier pockets. Pocket collapsed a little bit quicker on Sunday at times. but And, and that was expected, I think, facing that front. Again, it's probably one of the more talented pass-rushing fronts, and yes. I really want to drive that home. Chicago is a very good pass-rushing team. They are not good against the run. They came into Sunday like 23rd or 24th against the run against three teams that I mean, Atlanta's not running it. The Giants aren't running it. Yeah. You know, Saquon's hurt. You know, it's just one of those things where you aren't. This is not some stout run defense team, and yet you couldn't get that aspect of the game going. Your running backs were three yards per carry. Combine all of them, Taylor, Wilkins, and Hines, and you gave all of them at least, hell, I think all of them had at least nine carries in the game. So it's my biggest disappointment through the first four weeks of the season, Chris. You are You have been healthy up front, and your offensive line is played nowhere near elite from a run game standpoint. Yeah. And again, there's two parts of the O line, obviously. It's pass protection and the run game. And we are focused on the run game here. Dead last in the NFL. Yards per carry right now. The the Indianapolis Colts. Like, what?
1: Dead last I mean You would not expect that. No,
0: no. Not at all. Um you know, Frank was really second and long run happy on Sunday and not a lot of success with it. And I know, like, you know, a lot of people are to me after the game. Man, what do you think of Frank's play calling? I don't think he's trying to get too cute with it. <laughs> he's just, I mean, it's pretty vanilla in terms of the second and long runs. I i would say where he might be getting cute with it is Frank, I think, is a big what do our analytics say about tendencies? Mm-hmm. When Naeem Hines is on the field, are we running enough? To where we aren't tipping our hand, like those sorts of things, and so my fear is like, are you setting up week four play calls so week thirteen, the numbers indicate you are more balanced, and now a defense can't. And some people be like, dude, that's super deep. Is he really thinking like that? It's chess. I, I, I it's chess, and we know he is. He's, he's a chess guy. Yeah. I mean, he's certainly that, which I like about him. But at times, you know, there is what you saw on Sunday, where you just don't get it going at all um, from a run game standpoint. Uh, I would say the thing that stood out to me the most that was disappointing on Sunday especially was just all the negative runs. He had eight stuffs, yeah, no gain or loss. And Jordan Wilkins had two more where they should have been tackles for loss, and Wilkins just ran around and was able to get a couple yards out of it. So um, I've been very disappointed in this run game. I think Quentin Nelson has not looked like the Quentin Nelson that we're used to seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he yeah, creates an incredibly high standard for himself, and he has not been that at all. Um, and it's just one of those things where this team is built for their offensive line to be elite. That, that That's how you're built. You've invested so much into that group, and with the injuries you have at wideout, and Phillip probably going to have to hold on to the ball a little bit more. There's even more pressure on that offensive line yeah. right now And I came out of Sunday thinking, if that's the offensive line performance you get in January, you won't be playing long in the month of January. No. So, um, and again, it's a healthy group. And now Costanzo's got the rib injury and didn't play those final four or five snaps of the game. And we'll see where he's at when the Colts get back on the practice field tomorrow. But it's just like, man, you need better from that run game because you are lacking a little bit of punch At quarterback, or at, well, I guess a little little bit at quarterback. Rivers didn't play great on Sunday, but certainly at wideout right now without Campbell. And this offense has not been the same since they lost Campbell. No, I mean, think about, I talked about it on last one's podcast. I went back and watched all those third-down plays. Campbell, out of the slot, was such a weapon for this team week one. And that's gone. That is, that's gone. T.Y. is not T.Y. We continue to see that. And now you're losing a guy like Michael Pittman. And sure, the tight ends... You know, they can help you out. But it's like, I see a stat sheet after the game, and I see eight targets for Zach Pascal and five targets for Trey Burton, who's at two practices all year, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. You know, let's get Mo Alley a little bit more involved. Let's get T.Y. a little bit more involved as well because I think you're going to have to stress – you're going to have to open up the run game a little bit more because I do think the Colts are running against some heavy boxes. True. But still, it was the biggest thing. I guess this is my last point on the on the run game, Chris – During the offseason, I wrote a story that got some pushback as saying the Colts run game like has another step to go to be elite. Very good. Mm-hmm. But to be elite, you've got to perform against the better run defenses. Right. And the Saints and the Bucks and the Raiders last season, the Colts were like three point two per carry. I'm not asking to be four and a half, five. That's yeah. unrealistic. But you gotta be upper three hovering around four against the top-run defense because your offense needs that so, so much Yeah. because your passing game is just not going to be this explosive top-five attack. So, um, yeah, it, it's the most disappointing aspect of this team through the first four weeks.
1: We talked about playing longer into January. You're not going to play longer into January either if you do not convert in the red zone, and that's your other topic that you want to talk about.
0: You know, that was the only reason why people probably didn't turn their channel on Sunday. It, it never got to three scores.
1: It was always two, and you always were
0: kind of like, oh, boy, you know, one fumble, one muff punt, Mm -hmm. you know, something like that, and that can totally change this game. Uh, What stands out to me, man, is you're 1 of 4 in the red zone, but 0 of 3, or I guess uh, 1 of 4 also in goal to go. Like, you got to the 10-yard line on all of those trips. Twice you got inside the 10, and you failed. Yeah. So I think that is what's disappointing. I know you targeted Mo on the pick that was overruled. Um, I'd like to see him even more involved in the red zone because I think if nothing else, it creates a oh gosh, where is eighty one sort of feel for your defense yeah. right now, and that's lacking. Ty's never been a touchdown guy, no. so you know you you, you know you're not going to get a huge red zone presence there. Um, yeah, I just think Ali Cox has got to be a weapon down there. Um. They try to get the defense moving laterally a few times. They brought Hilton in motion, and I actually think threw it out to him one time. They brought Marcus Johnson in motion as well. So they're trying to do some things that they did with Campbell. Yeah, but it's just not having the same sort of effect there at all. And I and I think I mentioned this at my Instagram feed at halftime, which I do every week, for those that uh, have never even. Knew that I had an Instagram, and 1070 here. Sound like my mom. Um, (laughs) We do an Instagram live at halftime every week. And I, I mentioned this, that Rivers is such a timing quarterback. His timing when you have 80 yards of field to go and the defense isn't full press and eight guys within five yards of the line of scrimmage, or hell, even more than that, probably more than that, that strength kind of goes out the window a little bit in the red zone. You know, there is less timing windows. You know, he's kind of overthrown Pascal twice and just no chance. Mm -hmm. Like, the ball's at the crossbar, I feel like, both times. It's just kind of like he panics a little bit. And, again, panic isn't the right word. It looks like he panics because he can't move. And so, unless it happens in three seconds, your O-line's not holding up that long in the red zone. And the coverage is just not going to break down that often. So, the Colts have, I think, got to do a better job schematically and just drawing some things up that get you quicker rhythm stuff because it's just hard for a three- or four-second play to work in that short area of the field. Um, I would like to see, in general, just some no-huddle stuff from the Colts. We haven't really seen that since yeah. week one. I know they tried a couple screens in the second half, and that did not work out well. But I thought against that pass rush, it might work out considering how aggressive they are. And, boy, I mean, Hakeem Hicks is a great player. And, yes, he is. And, and Yeah, they— They do have a good pass rushing front. So, yeah, red zone definitely has to be cleaned up. And that was, you know, that was Rivers. It was his least efficient game of the year. Jacksonville is worse because he made a couple fatal mistakes. He didn't make the fatal mistake on Sunday. And I think we got to keep that in mind. Right. It's a weird balance. He didn't make that, Chris. Yet he also threw up a couple, like, YOLO balls to Hilton. Mm -hmm. To uh, eh, Pascal was actually just a great play. Marcus Johnson Hilton caught a couple yellow balls. Yes, yes. He at least has given them a chance. And and that's where I don't think Jacoby did that enough last season. So, and I know that's a fine balance, giving them a chance versus obviously having that fatal mistake that could have led to a short field. Uh, Boy, but Rivers had some throws on Sunday that's like, all right, those people that think Rivers can't play outside, can't play in wind, his playoff resume has been pretty ugly. Over the last decade, Sunday makes me yeah want to revisit that. Now, the Colts really, I think they're at Pittsburgh Week 16. Like, that's it in terms of what you consider inclement weather. You know, they play Vegas at Vegas, you know, early December. So, um, I think that's something that I will be watching for. But, yeah, that was – I mean, Rivers made some throws on Sunday. That was like, dude, are you – is this Brian Hoyer trying to throw the game from – I I bet on the Patriots six and a half live wow. halfway through the game. And I, if someone would have told me Brian Hoyer was throwing the game, I would have appreciated that info. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that man was throwing the game last night. Incredible.
1: At the end of the half, it's like, what are you doing?
0: He did it twice. What are you doing? Yeah, like, right. Right. But
1: no, you're right. There Anyways, was there were some there were some throws outside the numbers where I'm like, yeah, Phil. just
0: oh, you know, two hopping them and whatnot. So yeah, uh, yeah, that it goes. And I don't know, man. Is some of the right play calling? I we, we can't get into those obvious passing situations because that stuff can happen. Mm-hmm. Is that like, hey, I've got to run it on second and long because I think that'll get us to third and five. Now, you know, Devils have to go say, well, why not throw it? And get five yards, I don't know, have the chance to maybe get a bigger game than just five yards. Hell, the Colts weren't even getting five yards in their second yeah. long runs. But, you know, is that it's probably too early to say that, and I don't think it is creeping into Reich's head. But I think there was something, and, and this goes back to the defense, honestly, more than anything. He was so damn confident in his defense Sunday. Yep. I think he called the game a bit more conservatively than he would normally. And he said, I didn't go for the fourth and one. Because it's like, why give them a short field? Why even think about that? So I do think that played into it a little bit. True.
1: All right, should we jump into some Twitter questions? Yes, 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 yes. All right, this first one's going to come from Bailey. How fun is it having a quarterback that chirps at defenders all game? Loved letting loved him letting the Bears D know what 2-8 was doing to them.
0: Dude, I absolutely love it. I do. And I am a pure, I love entertainment. And that is entertaining mm-hmm. to me. I know it probably pisses some Colts fans off. Like, just shut up and play. You know, like, yeah. But, dude, I don't I don't sit on my front lawn and yell at the neighbor kids. Like, j- just go. I mean, j- like, have some fun. And he's having fun. He is. And he doesn't cuss, which is hilarious. I don't trust people that probably don't cuss. But still, it's just like that is fun to see. To, I mean, he chirps, man. Jimmy Graham's catching a pass early in the game. He's chirping right then. He's yelling at Roquan Smith from the other sideline. It is uh, – he is a pa- I mean, we talked about this after the signing. He is so freaking passionate. Yeah. Running his mouth to the Colts fans back at, you know, 2008. And, you know, when Ballard talked this offseason about creating friction, his passion, I think, creates friction because everyone has to meet his standard. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we've seen him talk to Michael Pittman after a play. Like, we're, we're, we're going to see a fired-up Phillip Rivers internally yeah. on camera at some point this season. I think that's necessary. I think he creates a little bit more of a level of accountability that this offense and this team in general needed. But like I was saying earlier, man, you bring juice, you have some energy, and in a 2020 season where things aren't as lively as they normally are from an environment standpoint, that's absolutely necessary. So I <laughs> I keep on chirping, Philip. You know, if it costs you, I don't care. Keep on chirping.
1: I think it's safe to say at the end of the year when they do the bad lip reading, Phillip Rivers will be in a lot of oh, those clips.
0: <laughs> 100%. Mike him up every week. Yeah.
1: Okay, this one's from Jordy. Who has been the Colts MVP through the first quarter of the season? I'd say Buckner. He's been as advertised and his disruption on the D-line.
0: You know, Jordy, I'd probably go with Buckner. I, I do think <laughs> Rigoberto Sanchez has been really good. Yeah. I know he had his first touchback on Sunday in over a year, but – um. It's interesting, Chris. If you look at Buckner's numbers... Let me make sure I have this right. Um, Okay, so he's got a sack and a half. You know, he had that against the Vikings. Right. And he's got two tackles for loss. So, if you extrapolate that out, an eight tackles for loss and a six-sack season would really be – it would not be an all-pro year. No. Like, I mean, that that individual – those individual numbers are not all pro. But I feel like he's playing a lot better than those numbers indicate. It's it's
1: the numbers that the other guys around him are getting that shows his true dominance. And I
0: still think for him to truly, like, live up to number 13 pick hype, like, he's Mm got to give you a little bit more than the individual numbers. But I'm with you, man. I mean, he's already got eight quarterback hits now that I'm looking at these stats. He had 14 all last season. So, yeah, I mean, certainly you, you probably want to see just another sack, another tackle for loss. You know, Chicago's got eight of them on Sunday. Yeah, But I also think there's an amount of he is just commanding a presence that is opening up. You know, we've seen Autry get involved. We've seen uh, homeboy Grover Stewart get involved. Obviously, Justin Houston seemingly has a sack every week as well. So, yeah, I, I would probably give it to Buckner. But it's not so much for his individual numbers. I think it's more of you're the best player on one of the best units in football through four weeks, so you deserve it.
1: Yeah. Kevin, Craig feels like the Colts' O-line was bullied by the Bears' defensive line, especially when it comes to running the ball. Felt like, again, we struggled against a good defense when it came to the run game. What can be done, and is this Colts' offensive line potentially overrated?
0: Well I don't think there's any potentially about it I mean all I hear from Colts fans is they're the greatest offensive line ever and this and that I mean they are overrated you know you can't be dead last in yards per carry and not be an overrated offensive line now I can say overrated and still think they're they have the potential and they've shown it that they can be one of the league's best mm-hmm. but they are not right now top three top four I mean right, just, yeah. you just you you can't be that poor and I know you 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 take some kneel downs. And that stat can get a little skewy, but, like, you're 32. You take out the kneel downs, you're still 22. Like, it's not like you're any – and everyone, to a degree, has some kneel downs as well. So, it's just you have to have healthy. You have to have elite. And and I I, I said it earlier. This offense isn't as dynamic without Campbell. You have to rely on your strength of four top 40 picks – Along that offensive line, um, and Frank mentioned it leading into the Chicago game. The Colts were zero for four on third and shorts yeah. coming into the game. I mean, he was very disappointed that that's on your own line. They they established line of scrimmage and reestablish it, and now all of a sudden, if you do have an injury up front, like you know, what's the trickle down effect there as well? So, you know, what what I think can be done, I, I just think it's got to be a wake up call with that unit of you know. I don't doesn't strike me as a group that would read its press clippings. Do, is Quentin's hip still bothering him? You know, we saw it week one, I think it was, on the injury report. I, I don't know, man, but yeah. that group has got to play better in the run game area.
1: Jack feels like despite the play of the defense early on, the Colts are probably going to go at a cornerback this offseason. Feels like one of the better ones is actually Marco Wilson, who's the brother of Quincy. Would you consider drafting him?
0: Oh, no, I think it's good to stay away from the Wilson family. <laughs> yeah, it's, and I've watched Florida twice this year. You and I were texting about it on, on Saturday, Chris. Um, yeah, nice player. Mm-hmm. Uh, will get drafted fairly high. They have a couple nice DBs as well, even though I'm 0-2 on betting um, against them and for them in two weeks. But, uh, yeah, I think it's probably best to stay away from the Wilson bunch, judging by Quincy's comments and even Father Wilson's, not the priest. Their dad. Uh, Some of his comments as well. Yeah, not
1: a bad call. Okay, this is from Mac, who actually lives outside of the Chicago area. So for him, the Colts beating the Bears was nice. And also on a personal level, he has a friend who knows Jordan Glasgow, so it was nice for him to show up, he felt like. But he has a question regarding Phillip Rivers and what you talked about earlier. Looked like he couldn't even step on a bug one foot outside of the pocket with somebody sacking him. Lackluster creativity with the running game to him, it seems, and seems like our team has kind of turned into the 2018 Bears, mm. although our mm. defense is maybe not as good.
0: Dude, I don't want any comparison to the Bears. I'm sorry. they I feel like their offense just scores 16 to 23 points every week. Hell, they didn't even score 16 on Sunday. Who am I kidding? Um, all right. Is this, I guess, more of a play calling question here? Just more
1: about the run scheme.
0: Lackluster creativity with the run game. Too vanilla. You know, we, we, we talked about the second and long runs, and really, and Warren Sharp, who does a lot of analytics, mentioned this yesterday, how many first-down runs the Colts had in Bears territory. And again, as part of that, like, got to get into third and manageable. Cannot have an incompletion on first down. Cannot have a holding penalty because you know, Reich mentioned. I think Reich, one of his biggest keys coming into Sunday was can our O-line one-on-one block their D-line? Because they like to bring five at a time. Yeah. And I think there's some fear there of a sack, holding penalty, those things. Um, you know, is Frank scared of this passing offense? I, I don't know. I mean, as far as the run game creativity, it does seem like just a lot of straight-up-the-middle runs on second and ten and, you know, slower-developing draw plays. You'd like to get Taylor in space again. Is something, you know, again, Rich Gann's calling him sneaky fast. I'm like, the dude ran freaking 4-3-8 in the 40. <laughs> He's not sneaking. That, that, that ain't sneaking up on anybody. No. So, um, yeah. Uh, I, I would like to see some quick tempo. I know that's not necessarily a jolt to the run game, but you ran it pretty well week one when you did go quick right. tempo, and I do think I can kind of wear down a defense as the game moves along. So, I am a little bit worried about this passing offense, though, and just just the potency of it. You know, Phillip obviously had great success, weeks two and three especially, and even one, of just hitting on enough chunks. I think his yards per attempt was like six and a half on Sunday, which, you know, is kind of like last year, to be honest with you. So, um if teams are able to take away the run game, though, that is going to stymie, I think, what you can do 10, 15, 20 yards down the field. So oh, yeah. you, you have to get this run game going at a higher clip.
1: Shane asks, all right, honestly, four weeks into the season, what's the difference between the 2020 Colts and the 2019 Colts? Not much of a difference?
0: Oh, no. there. I mean, there, there's a difference to me, I think, certainly on, on the defensive side of the ball, Shane. I mean, again, l- like I was saying earlier, it's – you know, Matt Ryan, hold on for dear life, 18 straight completions against you. Hell, I remember Derek Anderson had, I mean, that was two years ago now that I think about it. <laughs> I mean, the, the, there's just been success against this defense that has never looked like this. Yeah. You have n- probably not played a top, I don't know, Cousins is probably top 20, but like you have not played a top 10 quarterback offense yet. But you are still doing to mediocre to poor quarterbacks what you have not always done. And that needs to be commended, and that is a positive step forward.
1: And what you're supposed to do, you're supposed exactly. to make them look like a not top twenty. If you
0: are a January football team. That's what you do. Yeah. And, and the Colts have done that so far. So, um, again, there are other boxes to be checked, and we will see this team and opportunities with that. I Cleveland's intriguing to me on Sunday, but then I also just think you still are Cleveland. Like mm-hmm. I, I know you're three and one, but and the Nick Chubb injury I think is something notable as well, but. The point differential, man. I mean, seven. you're plus seven through those first seven games last year. And I don't know what you are right now, but you've got to be, hell, you got to be 30, 40, something like that um, through the first four games of the season. So definitely a difference in 2020-2019.
1: This one comes from Isaac. Is it fair to say that after the wide receiver struggles, that Campbell was the most valuable offensive player?
0: You know, Isaac, I still think it's Costanzo, but there's a reason why I stress – the Paris Campbell injury being the most impactful out of Marlon Mack, Emily Cooker. He's, he's the unique guy. He's the guy that you don't have to script up a whole lot. For. No one else is like, him. no one nice. else is like him in that whiteout room. And for a quarterback that you have questions and concerns about stretching the field and hitting outside the numbers, when a guy can go take the ball and make, I mean, still th- think about it yards after catch. Marcus Johnson, Zach Paschal, T.Y. Hilton on Sunday. I don't remember any of it. No.
1: I mean. A lot of jump balls. I mean, You know, it's just,
0: and Campbell is the one that can give you a little bit more post-catch. So, yeah, Isaac, I mean, the more I think about it, I'd probably put Campbell pretty high on that list, though, of offensive players that are the most valuable.
1: Kevin, Matt wants to know, would you go after Matt Ryan if he's available to replace Rivers next year?
0: Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't, um, I don't think Matt Ryan is terrible by any means, but I mean, what is, he? he's gotta be close to, he's gotta be 35-ish.
1: Yeah. somewhere it has to be.
0: You know, I think it's key for Chris Boward and obviously we saw, I don't know, did we ha did we get a Trey Lance question?
1: We did get a Trey Lance okay. question.
0: I, I guess I'll, I'll wait for that one. Um, you know, I don't want to see the Colts fall in the trap of, like, Band-Aid. Mm -hmm. Band-Aid, Band-Aid. Sustaining that is very difficult. Hitting on Band-Aid after Band-Aid after Band-Aid is really tough. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if Rivers, and again, I fully expect Philip Rivers to be the quarterback for the Colts next season. If for some reason that doesn't happen, it's time to move on to the future.
1: Yeah. This one comes from Cameron. He says, I know it's a very small sample size, but is Julian Blackman everything Hooker was supposed to be and more. Seem to recover way faster from the injury, has ball-hawking ability, playmaking, plus, as he stresses, physical. Always hurts to miss a top-15 pick, but seems like Blackman could be everything we drafted Hooker to be and more.
0: You know, Cameron, we are two and a half games into Julian Blackman's NFL career, but I can't disagree with really anything he just said. And mm-hmm. the physical. Right. I mean, you know, JMV was asking me yesterday... Who would you compare Blackman to past Colt safety? I got a lot of Bob Sanders 2.0. This and that. No, no, no. I mean, Bob was just incredibly physical. There's a mix of a Bob and Antoine Bethea in there of that corner instinct and that corner background is, and the safety position has evolved really. Yeah. You know, probably the most of any kind of defensive position. Sure, you're playing a lot of nickel and stuff like that, but again, the safety is not just... My thumper and my cover, it's mostly two cover guys as well. And it's a bonus when these guys can play physical. And Blackman plays bigger than six foot right. and 195. So, again, I think where you miss Hooker is just insurance policy for depth. That's the, that's where you really miss him right now. You know, Kari Willis we saw banged up at times last season as well. Um, but, man, Blackman is checked. <laughs> I mean, we are two and a half games, but the dude looks like a flat-out stud. Yeah. All right, this
1: one's from Clark. People have been focusing on the consistency of the offensive health. Are these guys playing so hurt that they're hurting the team? Can't get any damn push up front. Goes hmm. back to the middle of last season.
0: Clark fired up on this Tuesday morning. Uh, okay, are any of them hurt? Well, I... Costanzo, uh, obviously a little banged up Sunday late in the game. But, man, Nelson, injury report week one, I don't – Brain Smith, no. Uh, Injury report, Ryan Kelly, no. Kluwinski, no. No, I mean, none of them have been on the injury report. And, I mean, typically, if a guy is getting significant treatment, they show up on the injury report. I mean, you can full practice every day and still be on the injury report. So, yeah, I mean, it's – and even going back to practice this year, I don't remember any of them – missing a day besides Smith missing that little bit of time for a foot injury early on right but that's it so yeah man I I don't know it's uh it all those negative runs Sunday I mean eight or nine of them that's a lot a lot lot of negative runs and uh I did not expect a month into the season Jonathan Taylor to be under four yards per carry
1: right all right, Kevin, Gary, who never misses a minute of the pod. Wants oh, you Gary's to, so loyal. Yes, he is. <laughs> want you to pie chart this using the factors. Mo cox marked improvement this season is what percentages? Number one, opportunity. Number two, personal improvement. Number three, Phillip Rivers at quarterback.
0: Okay. Um, I would say personal improvement, 50%. Okay. You know, this is a dude that played freshman year of football, and that was it. Uh, I would say Rivers here, 20%. I mean, the Colts still love to use their tight ends. I mean, I know Rivers likes big bodies and, you know, whatever. So, yeah, 30% opportunity. I mean, he still is – yes, he's playing some more, and the injuries have happened, but it's not like he's playing an absurd amount more. I I looked at the tight end snaps on Sunday – I want to say all three of them were really close to 50%. That's all. And, again, when we talked about the Michael Pittman injury last week, I kind of leaned towards once Burton's healthy, I think that's where you make up Yes, for, I mean, they don't trust Reese Fountain that much. Like, they don't have a huge amount of trust in Ash Do They brought up Marcus Johnson off the practice squad, which right. I thought is smart, but you know Desmond Patman clearly is not ready in their eyes as well, as so he continues to be a healthy scratch. So, um, that's a good question, Gary. yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So here's the Trey Lance question you mentioned earlier, Mm. Kevin. This one's from Ross. It says, I know it's early to think about the draft, but thoughts on Ed Dodd's scouting Trey Lance? I believe that that was a Cincinnati game that people were were Uh, talking about.
0: Central Arkansas.
1: Oh, I was way off then.
0: Yeah, North Dakota State, Central Arkansas. So North Dakota State is playing one football game this year. Yes. And they just did. And so Trey Lance is... You know, a guy that we've talked about on this podcast before, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, those seem to be the three. Obviously, mm-hmm. Lawrence probably in a class by himself, but Trey Lance didn't throw a pick all last season. Pro-style offense, you know, Easton stick, I think is Russell Wilson's backup in Seattle. Um, maybe or maybe he's with the Chargers. I don't know. I need to look that up. Um, and then, obviously, Carson Wentz. So, like, there is some history yes. with uh, – yeah, he's with the Chargers stick. Yeah. Um, there is some history there of like, okay, quarterbacks come in the NFL, and it's not just Carson Wentz out of this offense. So uh, people are really impressed by Trey Lance physically. No picks, obviously, last year or whatnot. Thoughts on Ed Dodds at the Trey Lance game. It's extremely notable to me. You know, they had Ed Dodds, who was the assistant general manager for Chris Ballard, his mm-hmm. right-hand man. Um, Chris Ballard trusts him to the nth degree, and think back to 2017 when Chris Ballard did early homework on Patrick Mahomes. Right. You know, your GM is not going to a whole lot of college games in the fall, certainly not going to Fargo. I assume that's where the game was. Yeah, I think they were in the Fargo Dome. Uh, You know, the night before, a game against the Bears. So right. um, it, it, it caught my eye. You know, this wasn't, again, John Dorsey watching Patrick Mahomes in the fall of 2017. It was Chris Ballard. And clearly, the Colts are going to do their due diligence of this quarterback class. It's doing your homework. I think it's very smart. You want to see these guys in person. It's the only chance to see Trey Lance all year long. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, Ed Dodds went to Washington last year with Brian Decker, their kind of mental guru. or That's not the right phrase, but whatever. (laughs) the guy that kind of is their background check person, they went to Seattle to scout Jacob Eason and to look more into his background and whatnot. So, yeah, it it has caught – not every team sent their assistant GM to that game. So it is definitely notable to me. And it wasn't shocking. I think it's very smart. Uh, Not shocking at all. I mean, we've said it. The Colts should be interested in the future quarterback early in next year's Mm -hmm. draft. And I do believe this kind of goes back to, you know, we, we got the question last week. I don't think Ballard's willing to move up. I disagree with that. I think he is willing to move up. He's gotta fall in love. Yeah. Which is a big question, but he is willing to move up. And you know, you're not sending Ed Dodds to Fargo to watch their left tackle or their right tackle. <laughs> like you're sending him there to see Trey Lance. And for what it's where I think Lance is a bit up and down. I know he he, he threw a pick in the game and was more of a runner than uh, he really showed last season. But, yeah, thick guy. I saw Daniel Jeremiah, I think, throughout out kind of a Dak Prescott sort of comparison there to him and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, it, it caught my eye, man.
1: Two more questions here. This one's from Matt. With a month until the trade deadline, what are your thoughts on upgrading via trade? It says, I know that trading away picks isn't Ballard's thing to do, but wondering how COVID impacts scouting. Could add depth at the wide receiver, defensive end, or cornerback core?
0: Yeah, you know, Matt, it, it's a good question. Obviously, we get a lot of these, and I don't love giving up a draft pick, which people have heard. But if you are in a dire situation, Chris, and you are a team that looks like will be in the playoffs, Costanzo goes down, yeah. Hilton goes down, Buckner goes down. I, you know, Throwing out some of those names... I would probably do a little bit more research. Now, obviously, that's got to happen here in the next couple weeks because the trade deadline, I'm pretty sure, is like late October. So, um, yeah, it's – but you got to be in a dire, dire situation. It's got to be season-ending for me at one of those spots. And you got to believe that your team can still make a run, which I know is a tough conversation to have internally. Mm -hmm. You have so much belief, and every year in the NFL is beyond precious. But if one of those guys goes down – Do you really think a trade can get this team to playing championship level football in January and beat a Kansas City or a Baltimore or a Buffalo? Right. Those are the tough conversations when you know full well that you could should be in the quarterback trade up market as well. So, Matt, it's a great question, but I really got it's so case by case. You got to be in a dire situation injury wise.
1: Last question for this podcast comes from Andrew, who says he hasn't really noticed much of George Odom yet. Has Tavon Wilson taken the snaps to this point in the season?
0: Yeah, Odom hasn't really played a whole lot. Um, As I mentioned on Sunday, Chris, we have not seen a whole lot of multi-safety packages. Right. Corey Willis played all 62 defensive snaps on Sunday. Julian Blackman, all 62 defensive snaps. You didn't play a third safety.
1: That's your future. We talked about it.
0: George Odom, Tavon Wilson, only special teams. So what we're seeing from the Colts is this. When they go nickel, they obviously have Kenny Moore sliding in the slot. They typically bring, you know, Rocky Seen, Xavier Rhodes, and I guess Kenny Moore would be your three-corner pairing. They leave the two linebackers on the field when they go to any other sub-packages. We haven't seen, in years past, it's sometimes been four defensive linemen, Just Leonard, and then six DBs, and Odom kind of is that dime. Mm -hmm. Now, again, you haven't played a ton of pass-happy teams. So how does that change when you do see Green Bay next month or something? Or, hell, even Cleveland, if Cleveland's going to throw it a little bit more. But, I mean, really, Cleveland did a lot of damage on the ground on Sunday. Um, So, yeah, I mean, Odom is definitely—I don't even think it's Tavon Wilson's taking Odom snaps. I don't think either of them are playing. Wilson did play a little bit more. The week before he's more of the free safety. You've been more banged up with the free safety. Odom's more the strong, but that dime package just hasn't been used.
1: Yeah. All right. That wraps up Twitter questions for this podcast.
0: Uh, I got one more here from Tanner. Okay. Uh, hey, Kev, Hope the family is happy and healthy. Thank you, Tanner. They are same to uh, you and all of our listeners out there with a fourth of the season in the books. Do you see much improvement in the rivers as we go? Although he has been efficient with his percentages, I'm ready to see multiple touchdown passing games. I don't know how much improvement we're really going to see. I think a lot of the improvement from Rivers will be predicated on the run game. If you can establish that, that should open up the play-action aspect mm-hmm. and a little bit more of the passing game. I honestly think the Rivers we've seen through the first quarter, the highs and the lows, that's pretty much what you're going to see there. Now, the multiple touchdown passing games, you know how I think about touchdowns. I mean, try gambling on who's going to score the first. T- yeah, who yeah. had Robert Tonyan scoring three <laughs> touchdowns last night for no kidding. Green Bay. It's the pride of Indiana State. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> good luck. So, sure, you would like to see him, considering the Ruds' on success, lack of success, find more touchdowns. But I would say it's more of just efficiency, finish off drives better. They were a little bit better on third down on Sunday. um, And, and finish off drives better. By any means necessary. I don't care if he throws her for 40 touchdowns. Just get the ball in the end zone. Yeah. I mean, Taylor can run it. Hines can run it. Whatever. Just get in there. And so, uh, yeah, I, I don't think we'll see some massive improvement from Rivers. I think he's been, if I'm going to grade him, I'll probably give him a B minus B through the first four games. Again, those efficiency Sir? numbers. Let's, yes. I know we're very recently biased here. But they were really, really good before Sunday, and he didn't make the fatal mistake Sunday. That's that's kind of always been the Rivers thing. He'll give you a chance. Yeah. Hey, Colts are leading, and uh, or Chargers are leading in LA last year, Week One. Rivers sees Malik Hooker, doesn't think he can get there. When if they just take a field goal, they're golden. Throws a pick, mm-hmm. gets Colts back in the game. Game game goes in overtime. He yeah. didn't make that throw on Sunday. True. So, credit. All right. All right, man. Uh, yeah, sorry about the Tuesday morning pod, everyone out there. We'll get this up as soon as possible. We'll come back with our second pod later this week. Next week should be normal. Uh, Monday, Wednesday action. We will have a beers with Bowen later this year. Yes, we will. Uh, during the regular season. Yep. That is something we have not done. But we'll keep you posted on details for that. Again, we'll we'll try to stick to kind of a Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Seemed to work well. Uh, possibly before Thursday nighter later this year, uh, something to keep an eye on. But I'm looking forward to that. And oh yeah, am I, am, I, am I missing anything else?
1: I mean, other than the fact that you were humble in the beginning of this podcast and didn't let the people know how you did in the golf outing yesterday.
0: Well, I second place is the first loser. Okay, to me. <laughs> Chris uh no it was fun out there we we really played well shout out to Ross Lovers, uh, just woe is me all day long and literally was just a rock solid you know when you're you're the first player in an outing typically people think you aren't very good I mean Ross was at times he was our A player he was, it was there you go you watch Matt Lovers, great work as well Sean Esposito brought terrific energy and uh, provided some big shots as well. So, it, it was fun. Beautiful day at the Legends. We tied for first. I'd love to know how the tiebreaker played out. I will be having a word with Heston later today on that. <laughs> um, we might have, shout out to Colts Militia on Instagram. They sent us a Quentin Nelson pancake shirt. Might have a giveaway here okay. later yeah. this month. Maybe do something with that as well. So, a couple things to keep an eye on for uh Our Kevin's Corner contingent. He's Chris Presley. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week, and we'll uh, talk to you a little bit later.